Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day to all our moms. Um, you'll get a chance to clap here in a second, I promise. Um, we always want to do something special for our moms, so this uh, particular Mother's Day, um, every mom, when you leave from here, every woman uh, who's here today, when you leave, every woman can pick up a carnation. Um, it might look like the one on the screen, or it might not, but it will look <laughs> like a carnation regardless. Um, so you can pick your own color. But every woman, when you leave, uh, that'd be great. Uh, one thing we wanted to do a little bit different this year than we've done in the past is we wanted to do something not just for the women uh, in the church, but also women in our community. And we started thinking about uh, women who would have maybe a hard time actually to uh, provide cereal on a breakfast table for uh, their kids. And so we came up with a concept where we would have cereal uh, being brought uh, here and we we're going to give it away on Saturday to moms at Morningstar Bread Basket, which is a relationship that we have with an outreach ministry here in town. And so I just got the total uh, right before I came up and uh, we collected 124 uh, cereal bags or boxes, so that's cool. And these will help uh, some of our uh, poorest moms uh, in our community to be able to uh, give them a gift of cereal for their kids. Um, also, we decided we wanted to go ahead and have like a, a fun way to honor our moms by putting together a video. And so uh, we asked moms and people in the jar, anyone in the jar that uh, would send in a picture, we would put it together to a slideshow. And so uh, we want to look at the different seasons of moms. All moms are at different seasons in their motherhood. And so uh, we'll look at this uh, video on those different seasons with pictures.
Now, in just a moment, I'm going to invite our, all the moms to stand up, and all the guys are going to clap for them. And guys, when you clap, I don't want you to clap like, go moms, you know. I want you to uh, clap like you would at a sporting event, because I've seen some of you uh, at an NFL game, and when they score a touchdown or a guy has a slam dunk, you guys go nuts. So that's the kind of thing we want to do for the moms here in just a second. So moms, if you'll stand up, and guys, on the count of three, we're going to cheer for all of them. So here we go. One, two, three. Okay, now hold on, hold on, ladies, hold on, because there's some that were over here, they were all ready to sit down. It's always amazing to me on Mother's Day, the women are ready to sit down. Father's Day, guys are like, hey, keep it coming, you know, like, could you clap a little bit more? Um, so what I'd like to do now is to pray for our moms who are here, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So let's pray. God, I think of no greater calling uh, in this world than that of a mom. And God, I pray for each mom who's standing today, God, that you would uh, give them your blessing, that you would give them a sense of your uh, love and your grace, that you would strengthen them, that you'd give them your wisdom. I know that many of them, God, uh, worry constantly about their kids, regardless of the age. And so I just pray, God, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would be present with them, letting them know that you ultimately hold every one of their kids in the palm of your hands. I also know, God, that um, being a mom can be exhausting. And uh, I pray, God, that you'd multiply the sleep that some of them are struggling with right now. And I pray for uh, the moms who are here today that they're parenting alone, that they're a single mom and they're trying to uh, navigate that. They're, they're the heroes, honestly, of my life, of how they're able to do that. So I pray for your strength for them. I uh, pray that they'd know that they don't walk this alone, that you are with them, and that uh, there is uh, their church family here as well. And God, I pray for uh, each mom who's here today um, that has a husband. Um, I pray, God, that you would be with that husband uh, to help them to be attentive to the needs of these women, to put their uh, own needs aside and to lift uh, the need of the mom up today and, and every day. God, I pray that you would bless uh, all our moms, not just today, but throughout the year, with your peace and your rest and your encouragement and your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give our moms one more hand. Now, under the, um, under the video that we just showed, uh, we actually um, had a song that we played. Did anyone hear what that song was? It was Turn, Turn, Turn. It was written by Pete Seeger, and it was popularized in 1965 by this band right here called The Birds. Uh, any of you that were in that era, do you remember that band? Raise your hand. Okay. Were some of you high during that period? Um, <laughs> Just saying, just saying. Um, well, 
I wasn't even born yet, okay? Uh, so I wasn't even there. But when I went to college, there was a distinct group of people that had a major called Peace Studies. And these people would just hang out, and they were just always very peaceful people. They were loving and kind. They were kind of rejects from the 1960s, actually. And they would be like, peace, dude, you know. We're all about peace. And they'd have, you know, uh, these uh, T-shirts that would be the rainbow tie-dye kind of T-shirts. And uh, they would always always have a guitar, and they would uh, be playing some song. And this was one of the songs that I would hear them uh, playing all the time, turn, turn, turn. So I was walking by one day. And a guy said, hey, dude, he's like, uh, your dad's a pastor, right? And I'm like, yeah. And uh, he said, uh, well, this song comes right from the Bible. Now, his eyes were bloodshot enough, and he was kind of like whacked out. So I figured it was wacky weed or something. So I wasn't really sure about, like, his ability to, you know, tell me exactly the, the, the lyrics of this song. But I went and I looked it up. And Solomon, 3,000 years earlier, gave the exact same lyrics to the song, Turn, Turn, Turn. So today, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Here, Solomon is saying that when you're looking at life, you should realize that life is uncontrollable. It's not predictable. It's not linear. That life has a lot of twists and turns, ups and downs, and that life itself should not be looked upon as like a string of days in a linear fashion, but that life should actually be looked at as seasons. Different seasons that people go through. For example, every single mom who is here today is going through a different season of motherhood. We have women here who are desperately desiring to be moms, but for some reason they can't right now. We have moms who have received children through adoption. We have moms who have blended families and they're trying their best to navigate that. We have mothers who have teenagers and one morning they wake up and their teenager thinks that the mom is the greatest thing in the world and it's their best friend. The next day they wake up and you are the devil and you know that if you're a teenager, if you're a parent of teenagers. We have moms who have a full-time job in the workplace and we have moms who have a full-time job at home. We have mothers who have wayward children, children who have been estranged, children who are far from the family. And these moms today feel a sense of loss and failure. We have moms who have experienced the empty nest and they're all by themselves now and it gets lonely. Or some moms who are getting ready to experience that. We have moms today who are struggling because Mother's Day for them is a very difficult time because they've lost a child. And we have moms today who have a mom who is not here for the very first time, and they're going through that loss. We have moms of 
infants and toddlers. Those moms right now are not listening to me at all. They're looking forward to taking a nap in the next 10 minutes, okay? And they could care less what I have to say. They just want enough sleep during the teaching that they can make it through the afternoon. So motherhood has many different seasons to it. And in the same way, so does life. In our scripture today, Solomon is making a powerful point that the most accurate way to gauge a person's life is to discover what season they're in. And that leads me to kind of the big idea that I want you guys to get this morning. And it's this. It'll come up on the side screen. That you recognize that the season that you're in and you learn what God wants to teach you in this season. You recognize the season that you're in and you learn what God wants to teach you in this season. Now, throughout all of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, what it does is it gives different seasons that people go through. We don't have enough time to hit all of those today, but I do want to look at a few of them. The first one is found in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, verse 4, and this is what it says. There is a time to mourn. In other words, there's a season to mourn. And there is a season or a time to dance. I have a good friend of mine that just lost his dad uh, two weeks ago. And a year ago, his dad lived in uh, Las Vegas. He had a good job in a hospital. Uh, he, my friend went out and saw him. And about six months ago, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And they told him that he would probably have a year to two years to live. And then within about three to four months, he's dead and he's gone. And when I went to the funeral home last week, I, I thought, you know, my, my buddy, my friend, is going through a season of mourning. And it's going to take a while. I think about Hannah Wilson. You know Hannah Wilson, the IU college student that was murdered a couple weeks ago? And her parents, yesterday was commencement. And I was just thinking about the commencement that they had been looking forward to for their entire life. And their daughter wasn't there. And folks, in a church this size, every single day, or every single Sunday, there are people who walk into this place and they're going through a season of mourning. Maybe they have a burdened or a broken heart in some way, but they walk in and there's a season of mourning you're going through. And you might be able to fake a lot of people around you, but you know yourself if you're going through that season. And sometimes when you're going through that season, you wake up in the morning and you're like, on Sunday, I don't know if I want to go to church. Because if I go and there's a whole bunch of people around, is that the best place for me to be? Maybe it's better that I just stay by myself rather than going and having people around me. And when you're in that sense of mourning, you wake up and you're not always sure what you want to do in that day, whether you want people around or you want no one around. Well, I just want to say for those of you who are going through a season of mourning today, those of you who have a broken or a burdened heart, I'm so glad you're here. Like there is nothing that gives me greater joy 
than when people are burdened and they're broken, that they come in and they're able to receive a real sense of love in a sense that they're not alone. Because sometimes when you come into a gathering like this and it's on Mother's Day and everyone is supposed to be in a season of joy, sometimes we come in and we're not so sure about that. But this is what I found. That every once in a while, when you come into a place where God is present, and He's present, Jesus is right here in our midst, that He injects a little bit of encouragement to you to help you out with the equation of your life that you're dealing with. You might get a little prompting or perspective or a little bit of hope to say, you know what, I've got enough hope that I can cope through this season of mourning that I'm going through. Maybe for some of you who are here today, you could say, you know what, as I'm here and I'm connecting with some other people, maybe I could do that with Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. Or if you're going through the loss right now of a loved one, why would you not go to Grief Share tomorrow on Monday? That you would just go and say, I want to get healed up from this. Or jump into a small group. And maybe for some of you today, that's where you're at. Now, this is the interesting thing about Solomon as he writes. In the same sentence, not only says, is there is a time for mourning, but he also says, there's a time for dancing. Okay, everybody stand up. Let's have our best dance move. Look at people are like, oh, forget this. That's the last time I'm going to this church. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not going to do that because some of you, you're horrible dancers. Uh, Any of you remember the Seinfeld episode of... uh, I was going to show that, but you know, like that, you know, it's just like, it's painful. And I couldn't handle any more pain today than what I'm already going. So I didn't want to see you dance. But when he talks about dancing, he's not just talking about a physical dance, but he's talking about things in your life that you feel joy, that you feel joy with. For example, some of you have gone through a season of unemployment, but then all of a sudden you got a job and you're dancing. Or you have a loved one who was maybe away in Afghanistan or Iraq, and then they came back, and you're in a period of dancing. Some of you just recently got accepted to college, or the loan came through, or you got a a house or a new place to live. For me, what I'm really excited about and I'm looking forward to is that the Pirates next weekend are going to kill the Cubs. (laughs) And I'm dancing already. Like, I'm dancing before I even get to that point, okay? And the two Pirates fans that were supposed to be here did not show today. So, that's why. But I'm praying, you know, I'm hoping for it. Uh, I, I see it in faith, uh, kind of thing. All right, Ecclesiastes 3.6, it says this. There is a time to keep and a time to throw away. Any of you ever experienced this before? You wake up one Saturday morning, and in a couple of years, there's just clutter everywhere. There's clutter in your house. Look, some of these people are looking at their spouses right now. You know who you are. Now, there's clutter everywhere, okay? There's, like, clutter in the house. There's clutter in the garage. And I wake up every once in a while. It's only about every couple of years. And I'm like, we're cleaning the house. We are getting rid of some stuff. And I start going through stuff. I call a buddy. Hey, bring your dump truck over, dude. We are getting rid of stuff. And I kind of feel like Popeye when Popeye said this, uh, when he said that, uh, this is all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And it's, you know, I've hid my wits in and I just 
can't handle the clutter and everything being so disorganized. So I start doing all of that. Now the problem is that eventually when I have the spirit that I can't stand no more, at that same time, my wife has the spirit of keeping. She wants to keep everything. And she wants us to identify some of the belongings. Like for instance, have you ever seen these bags that you have to use a vacuum to use and what you do, you put all your stuff in there that you're never going to use for like 30 years, but you suck it all up so that it keeps or whatever. And we have tons of these bags, like these bags are everywhere. And I'm like, let's get rid of some of the bags. And Jennifer will say, no, we're going to keep it for the grandchildren. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to live for Jordan to be nine, let alone for the grandchildren. Let's get rid of this stuff. Now, this is the problem. When you're at a time of throwing stuff away and a time of keeping, if you don't navigate that collision very well, this is what I know. I spend a season on the couch. So you've got to be careful on that. Verse 7. There is a time to be silent and a time to speak. Have you noticed how much noise there is in our culture? Like there's just constant noise. And it may not be audible noise, but it's like with the information age, our minds in between our two ears, just constantly there's stuff being thrown at us and the noise level uh, gets so high. And as I told you before, it's very, very hard to hear from God, folks, and to hear God's whispers of encouragement and guidance and direction and conviction when you're filled with ambient noise all around you. That the level gets so high in our head. So much so that a friend of mine, uh, just before Easter in the season of Lent, which is just 40 days before Easter, she decided that she was going to fast from all social media. So outside of her job, once she got into the car, she turned off her phone and she did it in uh, the morning and the evening as well. Now, understand, folks, I use social media. I think it's a very, very helpful thing in many ways. But this is what I've learned about social media, too, is that it can be very addictive. And people can use entire periods of their life where they're just looking at a screen or sending something back to someone else. So my friend took this challenge, and she decided that she wasn't going to do that. And she said, the first day, she goes, I actually felt like I was going through detox, you know? Like she was looking to find something to use her social media, and she couldn't do it. And then it kept going for a week, and she said it was really tough. But she said, finally, it kind of turned, and it pivoted to the point where All the time that I would use to text or email or Facebook or tweet or Instagram or any of the other things, she said, I turned it all around and I just started connecting with God through reading the Bible and through prayer. And she said, it really just changed the whole way I was able to be silent, a time of silence. My wife Jennifer, about a month ago, she felt convicted that She wanted the last 30 minutes of her day to be spent reading. And so she'll read inspirational things. She'll read spiritual, scriptural things. Now, for me, I do all my quiet time in the morning. 
And uh, I usually spend time just in prayer and Bible study, trying to listen to God, half hour, hour or so. And uh, in the evening, when I get to the evening, the only thing I want to do with my last 30 minutes of the day is watch Sports Center. Like Sports Center is what it is about at that point. But you know, if you're sitting by someone and they've got their little Kindle out and they're going like this and they look all spiritual, you start feeling kind of guilty, you know? Like maybe I should be doing something too. So I told Jen, I said, I really want to think about maybe using the last 30 minutes of my day doing that as well. But I have to wait until after the NBA, you know, championship is over because, you know, I mean, God even wants me to do that. So, I mean, you know, it'd be one of those things. But there are times that you have to be silent. And I just want to ask you today the same thing that Solomon asked long ago, that are you learning anything from being silent? Are you being silent at all? I know many of you, and especially a lot of you moms, you wake up in the morning and it's like pedal to the metal all day long. From early in the morning until late at night, you're just on the go, constantly going. Go, 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 go. And I just want to ask you this morning, where's your time of silence? Like, where's the time that you pull away and you just connect with God? It doesn't have to be a long time, five minutes, ten minutes, but where's that time where you pull away? And I know sometimes moms will say, well, my husband won't give me that time. Well, tell him they need to come talk to me. We'll have a little heart-to-heart talk, okay? Because your ability to get away and to be silent is key to being able to grow in your faith with God. Do you have some boundaries around these things? Or do you keep your phone so close to you that every time you hear the beep or you hear the vibrate, you just got to go to it? Or do you actually turn it off and you're totally silent? So there's a time to be silent. But in the same breath, in the same verse, Solomon says there is a time for speaking. There are times when many of us, honestly, would rather be silent. But we get this little nudge from God, I want you to speak up. And often it's with a family member or a friend or a co-worker who you see their life, and you know the decision they're getting ready to make. And it's like it's headed down this destructive road. And you know that someone needs to tell them that this is not the way to go. And so you go to them and say, you know what, I love you, I care for you, I'm not judging you. But this road itself only has one end point, and there's going to be a high price to pay at the end of it. And yet for many of us, it's very difficult to speak in moments like that because we don't want to come across as judgmental. And yet God sometimes challenges us to speak up. There are times maybe when we don't want to, but we need to. And God's challenging us to do that. Well, right now is my time of speaking. I'm speaking right now to all of you. And it could be a short season. It could be a long season. Does anyone want to vote? No, I'm joking. We'll go on. All right. Hey, we're not going to be able to hit all the seasons 
But in your program, each of you received uh, this particular uh, uh, reading plan. And I did this last week. I hope many of you are doing this. If you haven't, start today. But this next week, Monday through Friday, you'll be able to go through all the different seasons that are included in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And you'll get into chapter 4. And it only takes about 5 or 10 minutes. But take some time in silence and allow yourself to get rejuvenated, to be satisfied as you're connecting with that. Now, for the rest of our time, I really want us to focus in on that big idea that I shared at the beginning, which is this. Recognize that the season that you're in and learn what God is teaching you in this season. Recognize the season you're in and learn what God is teaching you in this season. There's a buddy of mine who uh, recently went through a very, very nasty and painful divorce. And last week uh, we went out to breakfast together and we were just talking about life. And I said, well, you know, what, how would you describe your season? What do you, what do you kind of feel like? And he said, I just feel this sense of, like, restlessness. I, any of you ever felt restless before? I mean, I know I have. I've gone through many seasons of restlessness before. Well, this friend of mine, he's like in this restlessness kind of season. And we're sitting at breakfast. And he just said, you know, since I've gone through this very painful divorce, he said, I just, I have a hard time trusting any relationship anymore. And he said, especially when it comes to God. He said, I kind of feel like Pilate, the Roman ruler who stood before Jesus and he asked, what is truth? And truth was standing right in front of his face. He just couldn't see it in Jesus himself. And this buddy of mine, he said, I just feel restless. I just feel as far away from God as I have in a long time. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, this isn't going to be a short season for him. This is probably going to be a long season. And everyone has seasons where they deal with that. And I kept thinking, well, what's he doing in this season of his life? And this is what I found. He's just working. He just works a lot. He works and he works and he works. He spends weekends with his girlfriend, and that's what it is. You see, when you're in a season, folks, there's a reason that you're in that season. There are some distinct things that God wants to teach you in the middle of that season. But sometimes these seasons are disillusioning. Sometimes they're uncomfortable. Sometimes they're painful. Sometimes they're extremely emotional. And the huge temptation when you're going through this season is to put blinders on. To just kind of focus straight ahead, not think about anything else, and maybe it's work. And you're just like, I'm just going to work and work and work, and things will get better if I just keep on working. And other people, what do they do? Well, what they actually do is that they self-medicate. That's what they do. They self-medicate with alcohol or drugs or sex or something else. And then there's others who just simply try to escape it all together, like deny the reality of the season that they're in. And I've seen people do that for decades sometimes. Folks, there's a reason of the season that you're in right now. There's a reason to that season that you're in. And God's attitude and his demeanor towards you 
in this is goodness. He wants to give you goodness. The circumstances around you may not be good. The season that you're in may not be good. But there is a good God who says, I'm present and I want to teach you something even in this difficult season. So what are the lessons that you're learning? Are you learning anything from God in this season? Are you learning about humility? Are you learning about maybe self-control? Are you learning about patience? Are you learning about how to forgive someone that's difficult to forgive? Now, for some of you, it's quite possible that when you walked in today, you're in a a season of loneliness. Uh, Statistics tell us that in church, every single week, one out of two people are going through a season of loneliness. So if you look down your row right now, what you'll see is someone who feels lonely. Now you might say, well, I don't feel lonely, but if you were to really test your spirit, like the deepest part of your heart, there's many of us that feel lonely. Now if you're in a season of loneliness, this is the hope that I want to give to you this morning, and it's this, that I actually think God wants to teach you something during this season. And one of the things that he might be wanting to teach you is that his presence, his proximity, his closeness, his friendship is present with you even in the midst of your circumstances. In 1998, I was uh, 27 years old, and uh, I was like one of the top promising pastors of uh, this denomination uh, that I was raised in. And the church that I had pastored actually had doubled in size in five years. And the church had decided they were going to do a building project. And they wanted me to be the one to actually build the building. And that we were going to reach more people in Carroll County. And uh, there was just this huge energy that was going up and to the right. And as I prayed about it, I just sensed that God was saying, No, this is not what I want you to do. I want you to follow your wife's calling. I was like, serious, God? Everything's going so well. That's what you want me to do? Yeah. And so Jennifer and I, we packed everything up. We moved here to Muncie in 1998, and she began her residency training. Now, personally, I didn't want to come here. And it was because I didn't know anybody. Jennifer had a few family friends, but other than that, we knew nobody in Muncie. But we moved to 4101 West Robinwood Drive, and we were there. Jennifer immediately, within a week, was going to uh, be trained as a physician, and she had a group of people that she was connecting with, and everything was going well for her. But for me, I knew nobody. I spent most of my time mowing my yard. I never knew that you could mow your yard two times every day. One week, that's what I did. I was like, well, if I do this pattern, I can like get, you know, it'll look even better. And so I spent all this time. And I worked on the flower beds. I mean, I had the best yard in 1998 out of anyone on Robinwood Drive. I mean, even the people that were retired that thought they were going to outdo me, they couldn't quite do it. Because I had nothing to do. And I knew nobody. I mean, I was a stranger, and I knew nobody. 
In fact, I can remember going to the grocery store sometimes just to walk around so I saw other people. You know what I mean? And what a weird thing that is to do, you know, uh, to do that. But I did. And finally, the summer ended, and I still felt extremely lonely. But I started my master's degree at seminary. And I thought, well, this is going to be great because there's all these Christ followers and they're all going to be around and we're going to be like singing Kumbaya together. And, you know, like God's spirit is just going to be present with us all the time. And I went to seminary and all the academic standards were so high that when you walked in, people were just stressed. They're like, ah, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm like, what have I entered into? And stress level was everywhere. And I felt so alone. I felt like a stranger in a strange place. And even though we were trying to train pastors, I felt all alone. I went through a season where I had anxiety attacks. I went through depression. I had to be medicated. Uh, I went through some counseling to try to get my life back together. But it was like the lowest of low. And it all had to do with loneliness. And then, during the same season, I met a, a buddy of mine, a guy by the name of Todd. And uh, he knew what I was going through. And he said, well, do you realize that, like, you're not alone, that Jesus is, like, with you all the time? And I was like, yeah, yeah. No, no. He said, like, really, do you understand that? And I was like, actually, I guess, I guess I don't. And he said, well, this is something that I've learned he went to a Quaker seminary and they would talk about centering in with Christ and being silent and being in his presence. And he said, one of the things that I've learned to do is I bring a chair and I pull a chair up right beside me. And I just imagine that Jesus is sitting in that chair and we have a conversation together. Now, when he got to that point, to be honest, I thought this dude has lost it. You know what I mean? Like, he is fanatical, he is way out there, he's, he's done, he's lost it. And uh, I was like, but I'm so lonely, I'll try anything. And so, one of the first things that I did was I started taking a chair, and I would imagine that Christ was right there. I read the Bible, prayed, all that kind of stuff, but I would imagine. And you know what was so weird? Was that when Todd started showing me in Scripture, that the Holy Spirit is always present with us. That he is closer than a brother to us. All of a sudden, I stopped feeling lonely. And since 1998, I can honestly tell you that I haven't been lonely. Sometimes the circumstances have been absolutely horrible. I mean, just, just horrible. But I know the one who sits in the chair beside me. And he takes away that loneliness. He also taught me something that was really cool. Uh, it's talking about prayer and breathing. And he said, when you breathe in, you should breathe in the things that are of God. Breathe in his love. Breathe in his grace. And I would I'd just breathe that in. And he'd say, then, then release the things that are not of God. Fear, worry, anxiety. It's one of the things I still do today when I'm in my quiet time. A lot of times I pull up a chair. Sometimes I breathe in the good things from God and I blow out those things. I'm telling you folks, it has changed my whole perspective when it comes to loneliness. 
because I don't go through that season. Not because that season isn't present. It's just I always know there's someone who's present with me, and he sticks closer than any brother. Today, some of you, some of you moms, you're in a season of loneliness. Maybe no one even knows, but in your spirit, you just feel alone. And God wants to remind you that you are never alone regardless of the season that you're in. That he never walks away. He's always present. And if you can learn some lessons in the midst of even loneliness, it's amazing what God can do as you go further down your journey. Now, quite possibly for some of you, yours isn't this connection, you have this, but for some of you, that same loneliness, what God's asking you to do is get off your backside and take a relational risk. Like, you've never taken a relational risk. You've never said, hey, I'm going to jump into a small group. I don't know what a small group's about, but I'm going to try it. Or for some of you, celebrate recovery on Thursdays at 7 o'clock. You have hurts and hang-ups in your life. And you could be around a group of people that would encourage you and love you and support you, but you're afraid to take the risk. But if you want to stay lonely, you don't have to take the risk. But if you want to feel the presence of Christ's community around you, you jump into that. Our marriage retreat that's coming up. Some of your marriages are messed up, jacked up, and they're lonely. You live in the same place, but you're not connecting at all. I don't know why you wouldn't go to it so that you could get better in this whole relationship world. Because for some of us, folks, what we really need is earthly friendships. We need people around us who are going to be for us. And your loneliness is not going to be relieved until you take a relational risk. Because in every season, God wants you to learn something. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, who uh, actually... Uh, is considered maybe one of Jesus' closest followers. He went through a season of loneliness. He went through a season of pain. He went through a season of affliction. And in the midst of that season, God whispers to him these words. He says, Paul, my grace is always sufficient for you. When you think you're going through a season and it's too hard and you're just totally weakened by the circumstances that are going on in your life, God says, hear my whisper, and here it is. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Anyone feeling a a season of weakness that you have right now? Any moms have a season of weakness? There is a, a way that you can get a strength and a power that is greater than your own if you'll turn to the one who knows you best and loves you most. This is a time when you learn how God can strengthen you and infuse within you a strength that can help the frailty that you're dealing with if you learn these lessons. Folks, what Solomon is saying is that God is with you no matter what season you're in. And if you recognize the season and you learn from it, he'll actually teach you some things to help you through 
that season. And you'll come out on the other side satisfied. You'll actually have a feeling of satisfaction regardless of the circumstances. So let me ask you this morning, what season are you in? When you look at your life, what season are you in? And is God teaching you anything? And are you listening to what he wants to teach you in this season? Now, one last thing uh, in Ecclesiastes 3. He doesn't just want us to recognize what season we're in, but also he wants us to recognize when the season you're in is coming to the close and you need to move on. That the season's actually coming to a close and you actually need to move on. In fact, I'd like you to repeat these two words after me. Move on. Say it again. Move on. One of the biggest tragedies in life is when you know someone that you love who is stuck in a season. They're stuck in a season. It may have been 20 years ago that they dealt with some kind of betrayal, but they're still stuck, and they're bitter, and they're resentful. And every time you go to that particular family gathering or that time you have lunch with them, you just want to look at them and you want to say those two words. And those two words are, move on. We all know people who are in dysfunctional relationships. I mean, it couldn't get any worse than the relationship that they're in. It's a train wreck ready to blow up and you walk into their world and you're like, seriously? And you just want to be able to say those two words. What are they? Move on. You think about people who party too much. Like it wasn't so bad maybe when they were teenagers or, you know, when they were in their early 20s, but now they're 30s, 40s, 50s, and the 50-year-old comes and says, dude, guess what? What, man? Uh, I woke up in the wheelbarrow of the neighbor last night, 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't laugh at that anymore. You know what I want to say? Move on. Like, move on. Now, some of you think that I should move on right now. Because I'm meddling a little bit, right? You want me to move on. Well, we're not moving on quite yet, but we're getting there. So, when I'm talking about moving on, this is a question I want to ask you. Is someone tapping on your shoulder right now? Is there a whisper in your mind of something, some area in your life that God's saying, you need to move on? Maybe some of you were mistreated 20 years ago, and I'm sorry that anything happened to you. But it's time to move on from it. You have to draw a line in the sand and say, today, Mother's Day, 2015, whatever that thing is, you say, today is the day that I'm moving on. There's nothing more that you can learn by what you've been doing, so it's time to move on. Mom, some of you have stuff in your past that you've been beating yourself up for years and years. Things that God has already forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. And God is saying to you today, move on. Some of you are sitting there today and your time with God has become less and less consistent. The reality is you come to church on Sunday and then you check in with him again the next Sunday. 
And in between, there is very limited time that you actually take time to read and pray and listen. And you've gone from consistency at one point into inconsistency. And some of you need to move on now from inconsistency back to consistency. Mom, some of you are inconsistent with having your kids here at church. And this is how I know. Kids will come here and they come to Jar Kids and they're like, I want to grow closer to God. And then we look at their attendance records and we see that they only came twice or they only came once a month. And their whole kind of spiritual growth is being stunted because of you. Because this is the reality, folks. Your kids can't drive. Now, some of you might wish they could get in the car and go away, but they can't. If they get to church and they learn about God, it is dependent upon you. Today, mom, some of you need to move away from inconsistency and you need to move on to consistency. Where God can teach you some new things, some new lessons, new horizons that he wants you to look for. Because God loves moms. He loved his own mom. And he wants you to be consistent and to reach your full potential. Now, one last thing, and I just felt compelled to do this when I was writing this on Friday. Some of you are living with a deadbeat. You're living with a guy who, honestly, he is not worth the amount of time. Now, if he's your husband, you've got to stick with him, okay? But if you're just living together, paying bills, whatever that is, and they're not encouraging you, and for five years they've said, oh, baby, you're number one in my life, and you don't have a ring yet, guess what? You're not number one in his life. And you need to what? Move on. You need to move on way on folks for many of us we've been in a season long enough we can't stay there we need to move on but some of us have a tendency to linger we like to linger in seasons and solomon the smartest guy in the world would say this when you're done with the season for god's sakes move on for your own sake move on for everybody's sake who is watching you please move on. I want to close with this. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. God has set eternity in every human heart. Deep inside every single heart that is present here today, God has placed a sense of eternity. That you know this one and only life is not the end. Your life here on earth is a season and then you're moving on to another season. And the only way that you get to the next season with God is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. You've got to be able to say, I want him to be the center of my one and only life. You know, the number one relationship that my mom ever taught me about, and it's the thing that I'm most grateful for, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's that relationship that I can pull a chair and I know he's present with me. As close as my next breath, he's there with me. And he becomes the center of what I'm all about.
And folks, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. It's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because of any of those things. It's because there was one who sits in the empty chair across from me many times who said, Chris, your life is so jacked up that unless I go to a cross and die for all the messes in your life, that you'll never make it. And he chose to do that because of his incredible love for me. And this is the thing. God is unselfish with his love. He doesn't just give it to me. He gives it to anyone and everyone who will make him the center of it all. So today, the way we want to close is by having all of you stand just for a second. And we're going to sing about Jesus being the center of the season we're going through. I don't know what season you're in, but I do know this, that Jesus is present and he wants to be with you in that season. And maybe for some of you, you've never made a commitment to make Jesus the center of this season that you're on earth. And I just want you to know, I want you to move on to the next season because you're never guaranteed when that next season will begin. But the only guarantee is that if you make Christ the center, you're given that gift of eternity. And so we're going to sing this song, and it's my prayer that whatever season you're in, that you would make Jesus the center of that season. Because he wants to be the center of your life. Derek's going to lead us. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus at the center.
Jesus, you. I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up. And I'm going to lead a prayer at the very beginning. If you've never made Jesus kind of the, the center of your life, I don't know why you'd leave today not doing that. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You just say it quietly to yourself. And then I'll uh, close this in prayer. Let's pray. And if you've never picked this season on earth to make Jesus the center of, of what you know, I'd invite you to just repeat this prayer silently after me. Jesus, thank you so much for your love in my life. Thank you for going to a cross and dying for all of my sins. Everything that I know, I give to you. And I ask right now you to be the center of my life. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I receive you today. God, we uh, thank you so much. What a, what a beautiful spirit that's present here this morning. And we thank you for all that you give to us. And we thank you especially for all the moms here today. They brought us into this world. And God, we pray that as we honor them today, it wouldn't just be today, but every day to honor them. And God, would you help us to recognize what season we're in? And that whatever season we're in, that we'd learn from you, God, teach us. Help us to have open ears. And if we need to move on, God, that you would give us the courage to do so. Jesus, thank you for being the center and the one who never leaves us and who's always present. Thank you for being present in every season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you uh, prayed that prayer, come on up. These people would love to pray with you.